There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at Rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. So I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit include rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 404 got a special guest returning to the show uh, one of the good guys guy that i like to talk to even outside of fantasy baseball a guy i'm looking forward to seeing in a couple weeks and giving a nice bro hug to because this is a guy that i i consider a friend you can find him on twitter at deadpool hitter rob di pietro how you doing my friend i'm doing good bubba thanks for having me back i love the show it's one of my favorite shows ever and it's always good talking to you and like you said not only baseball but life Yep. Yep. It's good stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it because you're a genius when it comes to baseball, but you're just an all around good guy. So it's fun to, to chat it up with you whenever, wherever. So we'll definitely be doing that here in a few weeks. But uh, tonight we're going to, you know, fabs are done. It's kind of like Friday. You'll set your last uh, offensive players and then you just cross your fingers. That's where <laughs> we're at now. So there's not a whole lot more analysis we can give you guys really outside of like just, you know, lock it in and pray type things. So we're going to kind of give a little look back on 2021. It's not over yet, obviously. We can kind of get an idea on a few things. Look at a couple big names. Obviously, there'll be many more names we'll talk about throughout the offseason because there's a lot of polarizing uh, guys that did well, didn't do well, so on and so forth. And then we have some good listener questions from you guys. So we'll hit it all on the show. But, Rob, let's kick it off. Um, 
I know you were you won the draft champions overall last season, and um, you're doing pretty well just in your leagues in general this season. It's not over yet, but how are things looking for you? Are you how many leagues are you winning all of them? Because it feels that way sometimes. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, um, I have uh, 15 leagues in the NFBC. I right now I'm in the um, top three in 12 of them, um, <laughs> and good. my worst team is in fifth. So. I'm just really happy that like none of my teams are are duds because I feel like sometimes that really sticks out, you know, when you just have one team that's kind of bad and like it, it, it lets you uh, weigh down any good success that you've had. So, um, but things are, things are close in my one main event. I'm up two points um, and, you know, several stack categories that can just come down to the last day. You know, I've heard stories, you know, listening to you and Toby and Toby, talking about, you know, um, main events that, you know, shift on the last day, you know, and it's, they hear the story, now you're going to live it, and it's it's nerve-wracking, you know. <laughs> there's, there's, there's several, like, stack categories that are close, um, and I spent so much time on Fab just digesting that, and, you know, is it worth getting going up in, in, in K's if it's going to be, you know, whip or ERA, it's... Uh, projecting teams around you for their strikeouts, you know, um, just like next, like hyper-focused stuff that uh, <laughs> that was just um, making my heart pound. But, um, you know, so um, that was my first draft of the year um, in live in New York, the first main. So, um, you know. That was, that was in March, right? Yeah, that was March yeah. 20th. Yeah. Um, so crazy. Looking back at that team, you know, like just so many things that – um, slowed my team down, but then, you know, I get to the bottom and I got like Jonathan India in the 28th round, you know, didn't drop him after his bad two weeks, thank God. And just guys like that have just been a godsend, but, um, you know, losing the Grom hurt me, my, my ERA and whip just like plummeted. So this week I'm, you know, uh, no good starters out there. Kind of needed K's, but really needed to protect some ratios. So I, I kind of went to like this, um, couldn't um, lose a point in save. So I kind of went with this like middle reliever strategy, hoping to get some wings off of uh, guys, you know, playing on good teams that were in races. Uh, just a lot of stuff like that. And in my second main event, which Paul Sporer is in first and kicking butt, um, it's such a deep league. We have six guys with over 100 points. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And six of them are in the top 120 in the overall. Um, yeah, it's pretty Absolutely. wild. And yeah, and I have like, I have more, I have 110 points in that league. In the league I'm winning, I have 104, you know. Isn't so, that funny how that works? Yeah. Such crazy, a, man. <laughs> such a big difference. But, um, you know, I I can actually grab third. It made this massive climb and save. So I've been up. Um, and it's just stuff from like that, you know, that you have to be conscious of and learn from. I was up so many strikeouts and I transitioned to, I needed saves. I transitioned to, you know, first five, five closes, then six, then seven, then, um, then eight. Then this week was eight again with one, one starter in Giolito. And, <clears throat> you know, I went from like ninth to second. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think third, but I needed to do it earlier. I think, you know, like if I would have done it earlier, I might have had a chance to get a couple more points, um, but just realizing those things and when you need to attack, you know, um, you got to like really put the time in 
and do math and like, you know, try to look at the teams around you and see who they they're using at closers. But um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I didn't draft enough power in that team, Bubba. It's like one of my weakest offensive teams, but I just nailed all the pitching, you know? So um, weak, weak power. And uh, I, I've been able to catch up a little bit, like I grabbed Eloy off the, off of, he was like my, my biggest fab bid this year and but still still needed to uh draft a little bit more on that end so real but, quick um, quick question for you because yeah. a, a lot of this will be open discussion but you you mentioned the power thing and you've been trying to get it off the wire and everything and i had a lot of my teams it was either like even the good teams you could tell i did really good in pitching or really good in hitting like it was rarely a combo of both it was really frustrating but you know we always talk about how you can chase certain categories and with all the home runs we have this year, you would think it would be an easy thing to, to chase. Hmm. But I felt it was harder than ever because, like, okay, so you go after a guy like DJ Peters, but, man, can he crush a batting average? Or if he goes in a slump, he doesn't help you anywhere. It's like at least when a guy goes in a slump, he still gets maybe some walks and steals some bags or something. How hard – like, you mentioned it was hard. Do you think home runs was the hardest category, or was there a different offensive category that still – is it still steals to you, or was it something else? Um. <clears throat> that's a great question i think i think power it was just in that one league where i felt like um sometimes and this is just like league dependent you know like some yeah, that, leagues just have true. a different a different shift in stats and and, and it could also like dramatically alter the fabs because you look at the fab results and even the pricing on two different leagues is different you know um people chasing different things um but i feel like the power was pretty decent um, I finally like got into a better groove of of um, you know not going for like the 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 bigger splashier like fab bids, but just trying to chase um, playing time and lefty righty matchups or just gaining gaining the at bat edge, you know, and just like lay into power that way. But stolen bases was pretty interesting. I feel like in this last half of the year, three uh, quarter of the like a third of the year. Um, I don't know. It's 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 odd, but I've had a pretty good successful um, streaming with you know uh, stolen bases, and it come from guys either that were one or two week guys, or guys that ended up staying on my team, like Rafael Ortega, or last couple of weeks, you know, Nick Gordon has been great. Um, <clears throat> so it's odd. I feel like the stolen bases um, hasn't been too difficult. I think if you have you're stacked in a certain spot where you can afford to take a chance on a guy who's not like a Jared Dyson, but you'll, you know, you run the risk of like uh, maybe a batting average drag. So you got to make sure you're, you're good with all the rest of the categories too. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, how are, how are the rest of your teams doing? Um, I know you're, you're destroying us in battle of the pods, but you've been doing that since I think draft day started <laughs> and I've been sitting there right behind you. It's been just the two of us. And every time like every, uh, it's a ritual I have, like I started about two months ago is like, before I go to bed, I, and all the games are done. Like I, I refresh the page. Like, okay. So where are the standings? And I'm still in second somehow. So here we are, but I'm still like, feels like 30 points away from, from Rob. So it's like, I have no prayer just to, just to hold off the rest. Obviously draft the DCs. You can't do anything and more and more injuries each week. I'm just like, Oh God, it's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to log in one day. It's going to be three. It's just going to happen. And uh, it's not, but you have destroyed us in that league. Yeah, it's been pretty wire to wire. And like you said, it's been wire to wire at the top as well. Zach's been pretty um, consistently in that, you know, top four, Toby. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know what, I was just looking at that, you know, and it's just, 
it's amazing because I'm not even winning like the plate appearance game. That's Toby and Dave are ahead of me on that. Um, but I have at least 11 points in every category except for stolen bases, which I only have two in. But, um, you know, first, actually, you know, when we were drafting, it was a big thing because I took Lynn in the fourth round after I already took G. Lito and Bauer. And, you know, yeah. like, oh, actually, you every, take all the pitch. Remi- <laughs> that reminds me now. You were drafting right next to me, and I think we recorded like a week or two before that. We were both big G. Lito guys. And I took someone else thinking, ah, oh, Gio will come back. There's these guys in the very next pick. Boom. I'm like, this mother – I guess this is how it's yeah. going to be. This is how it's going to be. Okay, let's go. Uh, you you and Toby sandwiched me, and I remember on your on your pod with him, you guys uh, called me out as being a pain in the butt to draft yeah. with because uh, it was just like right in the middle of you guys. It was, you know, but, you know, and that's the thing. We were like in – you know, a couple of drafts, you know, we did a couple of best balls. We yep. kind of, you know, know who we're going to draft. And it's still, you know, it's still fun because we know our tendencies and it's just a game. It's a cat and mouse game, you know, of, yep. of who are you going to pick, you know, and um, are you going to go contrarian? You know, are you are you psyching people out? But <clears throat> it's, um yeah, so I had Giolito, Bauer, you know, Lynn, they weren't all special for yeah. me. But I think, you know, um, having Lynn there just allowed for that, you know, when Bauer was gone, you know, it it wasn't that bad. You know, I still had a guy who threw some innings. Um, but it was the it was the later round that really won me. Like I think um Hamian, which was one of my highest player shares, I got him in the ninth, but in round sixteen to twenty seven, I got Justin Turner sixteen, Yuli at seventeen. And then this was I think kind of won the league and like just um I got Handon at eighteenth and Melanson in the twenty third. That you Melanson know, one, he's leading baseball in saves. That, that, yeah, that Melanson yeah. one, which and even hand, you know, just what yeah, he gave me. Before he fell apart, yeah. Right, and his run was huge because then you could just bench him once he's not pitching well, you know. But And then um, rounds 21, Adames, round 22, Vado, round 25, Duval, and 27, Bader. So, but uh, Logan Webb and, you know, pick 493, and Graveman at pick 583. I think those, like, you know, you get those t- couple of picks that – can really just, you know, move the needle so much, like, especially yeah. like a Kendall Graveman, you know, get your 12 saves and really good numbers, you know, out of nowhere, you know. Yeah. The Logan Webb one's a big one. I, I looked back at some of the best balls that we did early and the ones that I'm doing well in are winning. I have Logan Webb and all those. I know we all talked about him. Like, this <laughs> right. is the guy. If he gets his chance, like, as a Giants fan, I've seen him. I'm like, the, the pedigree's there. And did I think he'd be this good? No. But, like, he was definitely going to be a guy that was going to get you innings late in the year that – can be quite productive. So can't wait right. to see and, where he goes next year. Oh, I know. That's going to be really interesting because I remember getting excited because in the offseason, recognizing that he did that pitching change, the pitch mix change, you know, toward the end. And it's like carried into this year. But you, you, you know, you were forecasting, all right, well, if that sticks, you know, can he be better? And um, the way I drafted my draft champions team was a lot of just huge pitching runs in the later on of the draft, you know, um, like, in the middle, I was just trying to nail PT, you know, get your outfield depth, um, which I think is huge. You know, um, having the ability to throw five solid outfielders mm-hmm. for both parts of the week is huge. So getting nine, 10, 11 guys who you really think, you know, look at OPS, look at, you know, stuff that might determine like a, like a role, you know, and, and try to just stack that up. But um <clears throat> You know, um, that's what it was just like a big run of pitching from like round 30 to 50, which just pound an arm and 
you know, hopefully you land one or two, like a Logan Webb, you know, when I won last year it was Corbin Burns in the 400, you know, so <clears throat> that attracts me to take the time to maybe take your Alex Cobb that might throw a lot of innings and then also sprinkle in guys who, you know, can possibly blow up, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's an interesting strategy because I hadn't done a lot of DCs prior to this. I've done best balls and stuff, but I prefer the DCs for a couple of reasons that I, I still get to set a lineup. So it makes you feel like you're still kind of playing the game. There's still strategy involved there. And it's a roto format where best ball is more of a points system and, and some different, different draft strategy there. I, I really enjoyed those DCs. And I did a lot of NFPC fifties, just kind of get my feet wet in uh, the right. player pool. And I'm going to do a lot more of those again this year. I think they're, they're, they're great. And it's a great way to learn things. So I don't want to put the, that's the one thing I did last year. And I, I, it sounds like you kind of did that too, where you started your, your main in March, all the leagues I drafted in March and closer to the season, I'm top five and above. And I think right. it's because it's all those early drafts we did on, and it could easily change next year, of course. But I think it's right. the, the early drafts we did, the prep we did, and like you felt so much more comfortable bobbing and weaving because obviously the later drafts, usually you're, you're drafting with more talented player pool, of course, because these guys are all ready to rock and roll. And they've been doing their research too and their bigger money and everything. But you've done your stuff. You trust your stuff and it, and it works. So I think yeah. that's a strategy I'm going to instill again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just doing doing podcasts, you know, constantly looking at numbers, constantly being in drafts that run into each other or multiples at once. And um, I feel like when you do that, when you get to like big drafts or any draft and something doesn't go your way, you're less inclined to freak out and be like, oh, you know, like I feel like I did that. I tried to not do any of that this year, like never doing oh, after you pick like who cares? Like just go to the next guy on your list, you know, like just shake it off. Cause I felt like it happened to me two years ago in the short season, Maine, where um, I was just, you know, my first introduction to playing with sharks and, you know, those picks that I thought I was going to set min picks on were being min picked before I got a chance to do it. And it was just, wow. You know, so it really got me in that mindset of like, you know, they can't, it can't mess you up in the middle of the draft. It can't sidetrack you into, you know, doing something irrational because your head, you know, is not in a good place because someone sniped Mike Miner from you, you know? Yeah. It's a- <laughs> yeah. I don't know who would do that. I don't know who would do that to you. I have no idea. No idea who would do that to you, but probably some guy that's mad that you took Lucas Giolito. Just saying. <laughs> But uh, there was we, we had um we probably had a lot of spite picks on each other, right? Yes. We just like constantly trying to get each yes. other back from. Well, he's gonna pick this guy. I'm picking Breck Suter. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> but uh, that, that was the worst part. Like at first, I was like, I don't want to draft next to Toby because we record. Like we know everything about who we like. Like was, like we talk about it every week. And then I know your stuff. Like I said, we we've drafted together already. We we recorded together a couple times before. I'm like this sucks. Like <laughs> I would have rather been next to Dave or Maddie Wood or something because they're great but i don't talk to them as often so it's kind of like a different animal but um, but even like you know you mentioned maddie we the only 50 league i did was you know we're we're up at the top that um you guys are first and second all year i've been kind of trying to creep into that but just sticking in in the uh, third place range but it's i think that was just also one of those where you're like hey i'm jumping in this 50 and we're like oh yep. cool like let's go like i'll do another That's exactly draft. what it was like let's just do one real quick we're bored let's do it and uh, i'm gonna do a lot of that this year i have a feeling so yeah and like um, staying in it like you said yep. you know i had you guys on the pod after the season ended forced me to just keep looking at things i had dave and jake and phil and um you know i had um my first draft champion was november 14th 
Um, and I was like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. what am I doing with my life? I'm drafting a team this early, but, um, you know, Mike, the mouth was like, come on champ. Like, you know, what's the matter? You don't want to play with the big he, boys. He doesn't and twist like, anybody's oh, sure. arms. Nope, not um, Mike. so I'm proud of that team because it's 60th overall right now, you that's know, awesome. and this, that's another one where like, I'm 140 points ahead of the overall, but there's a guy like one point ahead of me in the lead in the league, you know, but. It's crazy because I had Tanaka on that team. He retired, you yeah. know, Howie Kendrick. Um, just looking, I was like, oh, wow. But, you know, um, just other guys like getting Will, uh, Freddie Haraltha in the 23rd, I think I Huge. got. And Grossman in the 35th, Votto in the 37th. It's just, it's crazy. But um, it's crazy how when you draft early, you're afraid, but you get these yep. crazy edges if you're, you know, been tuned in, you know. That's one of the biggest things. Like, I, the reason why I don't mind drafting early is you do get those huge edges if you know what you're talking about. At the same time, you mentioned it with Tanaka. Every single best ball, 50, whatever I did early, I have at least two roster spots, at least two, of guys that never even suited up this season. Or, like, they got injured in spring training. So, so there's either they got injured or they just didn't – they weren't on a team. Right. And I, I go, every league, I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. But, hey, that's, that's the breaks. That's the breaks. Like Rick Porcello. Yeah, I have Porcello in a lot. Of course, I know me too. Yeah, I have a lot because how how did he not sign anywhere? Like, what in the I, world happened with all the injuries I, yeah. and all the pitching staffs? Like, right? <laughs> has anyone looked into this? Like, has anyone Googled where is Rick Porcello? Because yeah, did he just say screw it? I don't want four million a year or something. Like, what is going on here? It's right, crazy. every arm came back. Every arm that tried to came back and even failed got almost a lot of money, like Hamels and yeah. um. I forgot. Yeah, Hamels got a million bucks for throwing like two innings for the Dodgers. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> no, uh, he must have been said he was probably on an island and like, I don't want to do testing. I don't want to do this. And I'm just going to not play ball and, and live my life, you know? Hey, you mentioned, because um, I, I know when I had you on the show before the season, and I know you've said it on your show and other shows as well, that last year your first main event was like a massive learning experience. You took your, you put your, you know, toe in the deep end and it was, you you swam with the sharks and you took some lumps, but you learned a lot. You said and you did a few things, and now you're winning a main event and you're fin- you're you're the top in Sporer's main event and all these things. So you obviously did something right. What do you think was the biggest changes you made to make yourself much more successful this go round? Um, I think I just made sure that um, it's funny. Like I started off with trying to consume more than ever in terms of looking at different statistics, adding, uh, you know, different uh, stat that, or a metric that I don't want to look at. And I ended up, it's funny, I ended up at one point just saying, I'm actually going to start eliminating things. Um, I feel like sometimes you want to just start overloading metrics mm-hmm. that maybe even like, you know, count twice if you don't really understand the stat or the metric or what it's describing. So I think I just made a conscious effort to like say, all right, like let's pick a specific amount of inputs and just stick to this. And then everything else, just try to dive deeper into a player. But um, I think really, really digesting things like, you know, the baseball forecast I've always read and I've always, you know, piled through that, but like reading the process by Jeff and uh, Tanner Bell, that was just, you know, introduced me to things that I had to understand to, you know, play at this level and um, understanding those things and then applying it. um, Just They're they're doing pretty good this year too. So yeah, they know what they're doing. (laughs) Right. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's not stuff that, 
it's going to make you feel overwhelmed. They're like just very intuitive things that they've putting data behind, you know, just stuff that when you read, you're like, oh, okay, like that makes sense, you know, and when you try to apply it, it's just huge, like just really understanding the the dynamics of fab. Um, uh, Je- Jeff just recently wrote a great article on Fangraphs about the replacement level player and in 12 team leagues and 15 team lead in NFBC and like what you can expect from 600 at bats from a pickup, like the most common ad. Um, it was pretty, it's pretty wild because, um, you know, you really get to see like what you can add off the wire and what you can't add off the wire. Um, but I feel like that was big um, in season management fab, not trying to chase big, big money guys, try to make a big, I think, my biggest ads were Manoa and Eloy, both in like the two thirties. Those paid um, off. Yeah, yeah, those those paid off. I think I had a crazy, um, like a Hiura might have been a mistake, but it, it was in that that league I mentioned that it was very low in power, so it was one of those hundred bucks to maybe try to get, you know, you know, power there. But we just really learned to control Fab and not mm-hmm. go overboard with the Julian Merriweathers, you know, like, don't, don't chase that. Um, and that's one thing I've learned by listening to the pods, you know, like Toby always mentioned how later on in the season, you can, you know, you can really come across saves, you know, because people bow out, people stop competing in that category. And, you know, you could just add, well, people may not just want saves, you know, and, um, it's, you know, that that's been huge, like getting guys like Finnegan and Flora at the end of the year and Colome when he got reinserted and, um, you know, so you could find it. So it's just paying attention to those things and really, you know, um, you know, I have, I have a passion in competition, you know, like I, I want to do good, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, put my best effort forward. And I think that, um, anyone can, not know all the stats and the skill and the metrics and models and stuff. But if you could dedicate time and like really know where to put that time, I think you could, you could do really well. You know, like if you just really have the urge to like, you know, that the eye of the tiger, like Rocky says, like yeah. just want to beat everyone, you know? So you, you just spend time like absorbing podcasts or articles or figure out your own stuff. You know, I think yep. Matt, Matt Modica gave me the best of like, advice and one time that we talked he's like you're he's like you're doing well and you're gonna do well he's like but when you start doing your own stuff you'll really blossom you know yep. and it's 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 true you know when you can absorb everything and learn and then say this is the way i'm going to do it um i think you i think that's better than you know everyone wants the quick answers and yep. who should i start but then you don't you know learn why but why are you starting them right 100 percent. that's the thing mm-hmm. and that's how you get better that's i guess i should have just said that just mm-hmm. those three words instead of the fourteen thousand i said but <laughs> well no yeah. it makes it makes total sense because like i even do like my dfs shows and i have chats that i have and everything and guys just say or even for season long like hey do i make this trade do i start this guy and I keep telling them, I'm like, well, what's your process behind this? Like, I'm trying to teach you things so you don't need to come to me after a while. Like, you need to know what you're doing. And like, I'll even tell people, they'll go like, okay, I'm using this, this from this site, this from this site, this from this site. I said, that's fine. That's fine. But in the end, pick one that works for you. Because a lot of crossover becomes almost too much. Like you kind of said earlier, like you, you get too much, too many noises going mm. on. You can't figure it out. So if you're not going to make your own, that's fine. Totally fine. But 
I, I'd recommend finding one you really trust. Like if it's um, if it's Vlad Settlers, roll with it. The dude's right. the, awesome. Uh, but don't like go use Vlad's and then go use you know Pianowski's and then go use Jeff Erickson's because they're going to be some weird crossovers that you're going to find yourself in the middle of a draft going. Ugh. So uh, find what works for you, but learn from it. That like right. that's I love how you said that. That's one of the biggest things I tell people is. You know, in a perfect world, I can just do podcasts and never do anything else again because you guys don't need my help with things. And I can just talk right. baseball with people. And I'm, I'm great. Like, that, that sounds phenomenal to me. Um, so learn how or to do could, it and become better. So Yeah. yeah. Or, go, or go to the tout results at nine and, and see what everyone really thinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, too. go to the first thing that's available publicly, you know, and, yep. and just take a look at it, you know. All, all I know is in the tout league I was in, if you try to use those results every week for your fab, you are lost in the freaking woods. Because I, <laughs> yeah, some of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Absolutely. there were so many weeks I'd be bidding on stuff going, what? Yeah, <laughs> what just happened? But maybe it's just a learning curve in that league I got to figure out. But it was just like it was different than any other league I've ever been in. I'll tell you that much. Interesting. So, um, yeah, it was very, very interesting indeed. Um, <laughs> some other interesting things this year, Rob. Um, starting pitching. We know, like, you know, Pocket Ace has been popular lately. You mentioned in the, in the Battle of the Pods, you took three in the first four rounds. I know I went heavy. Toby usually goes heavy. Some guys are saying they're not going to this year because it's not like it's kind of spread out. And this year was weird, best way I could say it. A lot of injuries, a lot of supposed aces like Luis Castillo and stuff weren't they, – they, they were really bad at times. Gio wasn't even as good as he could have been, stuff like that. How are you approaching starting pitchers next year? I know it's a long ways away. This answer can obviously change tomorrow, but at this point in time, like I did, I did a mock draft a week ago. I had the 11th pick out of a 12 teamer, and I went Burns Bueller. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to take these two and roll. Nice. Now, do I love, I love it. it? I love it. We'll see. But I know I can, like, I can piece the bats together and sleep really good knowing I got Burns and Bueller. And if they stay healthy for a year, you get got no chance. But um, you never know. So how are you approaching it? Yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating because I think as I am starting to prepare for next season and just looking at, you know, getting time to, you know, it's so funny because, you know, we kind of just look at these snapshots of stats, you know, and then when you kind of just bring up the season long and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this guy, this guy pitched 180 innings, huh? Like, it's just, you know, you don't, you kind of uh, lose yourself a little bit, like um, in, in the, in the, who should I add? Who's got, you know, who's going to be a power add? And then you don't really look at the full season stats a lot of times. But um, so like guys like Zach Wheeler and Akintara, I feel like I really have to, you know, do a deeper, deeper dive in and and see like, are these guys going to be the next guys taking a step up, you know, into the round two, round one. Um, it should be interesting. But I love what you just said. Um, I think that people are going to be, heavily invested in Corbin Burns in the first round this year, for sure. And I think within reason, a hundred percent, you know, um, I, I'd love to get a few shares of him um, if I can um, early, because who knows, you know, by main event, if the Grom is out, um, you know, Cole has been a little up and down, still very solid, you know, still yeah, guy still I consider good, yeah. taking in, in the first by, by far, but, you know, I don't know. Burns might, Burns might come right behind these guys and 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 be in there and be in that mix uh, like Bieber kind of did, right? Um, um, you know, you know, Giolito wasn't so great this year, but it's really interesting. I think you see a lot of success in older pitchers, and uh, you know, I think um, there was a lot of hesitancy to roster guys for you know maybe lack of innings, but 
one of the guys that you mentioned, uh, Charlie Morton, you know, like that you had in the write-up. It's just, you take a look at what this guy's doing this year, and it's just fascinating, you know. His his fastball velos is is as as fast as 20, 2018, I think. Um, you know, and the numbers against the fastball have been better, or batters against it, uh, you know, than the last two, three years. And, um, you know, he's already locked in next year. So, you know, he was a guy going from anywhere from 90 to like 110, right? Does he now climb back up um, or does he stay there? You know, that was a fun range this year. Um, the Gausman, Musgrove, Charlie Morton, you know, Pablo Lopez at the at the deeper end of that spectrum. But there was a lot of good pitchers in that range. And I felt like when I was drafting, it was, you know, go pocket aces or at least one good pitcher in the first mm-hmm. who round and then attack in those rounds. So I guess, you know, I'd really, I don't know. It's odd because when I'm, I'm trying to picture who might be in that range this year and it's, it seems different. It seemed like a different kind of picture, you know, like, yeah. Uh, does the Strowman go up into that range? You know, the one ten. I guess where it, it depends where close. he signs. You know, close because yeah. he's been sensational minus the K's, but he's a good pitcher. You know, you can tell he's competitive. He's you know, um, you know how high is too high for him? Um, how how far does Darvish fall? You know, yeah. um, where does a guy like Dylan Cease move up to? Dylan you know, Anthony Disclafani. I don't think he goes th- that high, but he's gonna move up for sure. Right. Right. Um, and I think it's just going to be like, what do you want to tackle? Um, are you going to go for, you know, uh, K guys? Are you going to go for innings? Are you going to try to mix both? You know, some guys like Tyler Molly and Sean Anaya. Like, how, 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 where do you put these guys? Are they SP2s? Yeah. Or are they SP3s? Or if you go heavy on bats, can they be an SP1 for you? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. So when I look at that group that, you know, that, that same range as where Gausman and Musgrove was this year. That doesn't look um, as appealing as it does this year. So, you know, and it's just funny because, like, you know, we're doing a draft on Monday, and like, you know, you're you're basically creating ADP, I guess. Yeah. You know, I like, can't wait to see it. I'll tell you that much. I would be yeah. glued to seeing that stuff. That's for sure. I know it's fascinating. You know, it's just like because it's it's good because it's just what you whatever you're thinking at the time. I'm te- you know and. It's it's gonna be interesting. I'm doing it with the partner, so you know it'll be it'll be good too to like at least get another person's sense of uh, of where the market is for these players. You know, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see because I think there's a lot of different opinions on the starting pitcher landscape. Um, it, it is deeper, it feels like, or at least it's not like last year we it was like three guys up top, and then you had like another six, and then it kind of had groupings. It seems more kind of evenly spread out for like, you know, maybe 20 to 30 dudes at some point. Not mm-hmm. that there's still the elite guys, but there's like a group where you're just like, hmm. And like, okay, we saw the short season, so we were concerned with innings and stuff last this, this year. Well, now most guys just did their thing this year. Are they going to have a step back because of the short year the year before? Because, you know, it's maybe they didn't have an impact this year, but it might impact them next year type things. A million questions can go through your head on see how this works. I think you just got to draft and pray type thing and things are fine. <laughs> But um, I know I got to I got to do much better at uh, the strikeout department. That was one that, that uh, got me in a couple leagues in a big, big way. So that'll be shortage, fun, but, a yeah. shortage of it. Yeah, yeah that, that got me big time. We couldn't all be filled to so and grab a uh, Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodon. <laughs> so like, good God, like, you know, he's awesome. I, I always I want to joke, but people don't always know I'm joking. I'm like, you can't you can't run any better. 
Like the dude literally got every freaking like, but he he ran good because he's smart at what he does. That's why I got like clarified to people. But he literally hit on like all these guys that were mispriced basically, and they all stayed healthy and they all just freaking crushed. It was right. just like he he literally checked off every box of like, okay, well I got the value pick check. Oh wait, they stayed healthy all year pretty much check. Oh, and they they crushed all your check. Like he just got the whole freaking thing, and it's just like what a beast, what an absolute beast. Right? Yeah. I mean, and and. And that's the thing, like, you know, a lot of his teams, you'll see not only did he diversify and still nail things, but yeah. those those the, those later picks, um, you know, I, you, the team I mentioned, my second main, where uh, I was so ahead of K's and, and wins to start off, it, it was because of, you know, that hitting, you know, late, hitting hitting Robbie Ray, hit, hitting Dylan Cease, even for like a little of a Kikuchi run. But if you get... um. I feel like, you know, it was a little bit of a conscious effort in that second main to like really, um, I think in, instead of focusing on a lot of pitching up top, but just make sure I had nine, 10, you know, maybe good starters at the start of the draft and keep them. Uh, I, I feel like it was times where maybe I could have upgraded a bat or, or, or something like that. But uh, if, if it was a pitcher where I thought like, you know, this guy's got a chance to pitch 150, 160 innings and give me decent numbers. I think I'm just going to, you know, keep them on my team rather than trying to cycle through it, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so we, we talked starting pitchers and we kind of hit on it earlier. You mentioned you can get saves later in fab for cheaper and all this stuff. It's been a, a weird year and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. I guess it's the way of the world, like multiple closers, always revolving door on certain teams that mm. just don't want to spend for it. I've compared it many times. It's basically NFL now where it's running back. You have two running backs in each team and stuff like that. There's there's not a horse anymore. So I, I see this not changing anytime soon. So my strategy this past year is to get at least one of the big dogs. Like I had like eight or nine guys, if not two, but I wanted at least one. And I think that's going to be 100% in play for me again this next year. How do you think you're going to approach it? Because, yes, you can get saves later, but I think getting those guys early allows you to wait and not panic on those early saves to get them later. Um, how do you plan on approaching it? Oh man, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it's like seeing, you know, seeing how I was able to get so much late saves this year. And you still, I still want to say in my head, like, I'm not going to rush it up top, but then I look at some teams where I've been successful in and I didn't have to chase it all year, like TGFBI, um, you know, fourth overall, I hate Diaz. I never had to chase it. You know, it's um, a big difference, man. Makes a huge it's a huge difference, different, you know, yeah. huge in, I mean, even on that team too, like just not having to chase catch, you have JTR and Sal mm-hmm. P, you know, like both of them. What? <laughs> yeah. You have both of them? Yeah. That was a great draft. I had the Grom Scherzer. not nice to your league. Mates. I had the Grom Scherzer <laughs> and then I did, I did JTR in the fourth and I think Sal P in the eighth and then sandwiched in between that with Ada Diaz. And I'm oh like, oh, this is goodness. cool. I got pocket aces, pocket catchers, pocket closers, and I never, never had to chase that, you know, that stuff uh, around amazing. all year, you know. So, are you um, are you one that likes to get those catchers earlier than later? Because you know, there's so many guys that say, screw it, I'm just gonna, you know, wait. Yeah, I I am. I so. I am definitely, um, you know, I had I had a decent amount of JTR. I love the steals. You know, I love that steals, good average, a catcher, such a huge edge. Um, 
And I think like he's going to be a pretty good bargain this year, I think. Um, especially if they DH and he gets a ton more at-bats, it would be pretty interesting. But um, I do. Like, I have a lot of Contreras and Vasquez like in that 10, round 10 to 12 range for this year. You know, I did a lot of Austin Nola. Um, I would just, you know, I like I like having those catcher options um, early, guys who are just going to, you know, play a lot more. And I think that's a big edge to have instead of scrambling yeah. around, you know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Like, this this year more than ever though, I, I'll, I'll give people some credit. You could stream catchers, but do you want to keep spending fab on catchers every week? I, I don't think I want to because in the end, how many of those guys are helping you in the cat like multiple categories that you can get with say, you know, a certain middle infielder that gets like say Alberto Montes, he gets called up again. Like you need that money for him compared to a catcher type thing. So um right. yeah, I'd like to get those guys we can lock in and, and rock and roll, especially guys like JTR and Salvi. You mentioned it earlier and you know Zimmerman and those guys talk about it plate appearance game you ain't gonna find many better right any, anywhere in baseball like right. you can you if you wait on a catcher you are sacrificing massive amounts of plate appearances in Absolutely. a big big way because they, a, they platoon a lot too such a big point but yeah so getting back to the closer thing you know i think um in 2019 there was uh i think 20 22 closers that had 20 or more saves this year there's exactly 20 uh 22 closers with 20 or more saves and um, the guys who had 10 or more was only off by uh, there's there's four more this year than it was in 2019. So um, it's interesting. It's uh, and if you go through the list, you know, um, so in 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 prepping for my offseason drafts last year, the, the, the first thing I did was bullpens um, because in draft champions uh, like like our friend Toby, you know, he he likes to speculate later on in draft champions and just make sure they attack all the bats and and pitching first. And uh, so anyway, just um, I kind of have like the same thing in the draft champions. Like I just want to, you know, not spend too much at closer. Um, so the, the first thing I dipped into is closers and their ARB status, their, their free agent status. And I think it was so big because it really helped me understand wh- what bullpens might be like, you know, led me to Kendall Graveman early um, and just, just looking at the list now, you see Jansen, Iglesias, um, Ian Kennedy, Kimbrell, Colome, um, they're all free agents. Kendall Graveman, um, these guys are all have 10 saves or more. So, you know, Kenley Jansen, he's really wild. Like, um, even without all all the all the chance all the save chances for the Dodgers, he he still puts up 37 saves, you know? Yep, and he yeah, it is crazy. And what's crazy is that his, you know, he's walking a little more, but he's throwing faster than ever. Um, you know, he he's his skills haven't really looked horrible. You know, when you look at it, you're like, oh, you could it's the same old pitcher. Like we were kind of worried about the K minus walk is is down because the the walk rate went up. But you know, um 37 to, yeah, and this is the thing you're going to look at a team like the Dodgers, they're going to win over 100, 100 games. So, even if he 100, like, right? saves a third of the games, that's 30 saves, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I think guys like that are going to be the you know, the really the guys that get a lot of the of the attention, you know, because yeah. he he always gets a bunch of scrutiny. Um, you know, mm-hmm. whether he's gonna, you know, and I feel like he fell into a great pocket this year of drafting, he kind of fell behind the Chapman, behind the Glacius, like a, a little ahead, Rosenthal and Presley. Um, but, you know, I I'm, I'm, I really like when I have a guy like Hader or Hendricks. You know, Hendricks 
has just Anders been a, a monster. Too, you know, like, yeah, yeah 0.75 whip. Come on. Like, <laughs> he strikes out everyone. And I yeah. think that, I think that, you know, like, he's on the perfect manager to be the only guy, I think, to have a chance at 50 because, you know, like, they traded for yeah. Kluber and they still made Hendricks the lone guy. They didn't even try to split it. Like it's right. still Hendricks' job, which you know a lot of other coaches or managers are like, "Oh, we got two elite close." Because Kluber was or not Kluber, Kimber was right Kimber, there yeah. when he got traded. Yeah. He was like the, he was right there in saves and everything. And then he could have eaten. A lot of teams are like, "Yeah, you can be our guy, or we can go one A, one B." Not with not with Larusa. Not with Larusa, and you know that's like the one good thing about him. About being the one the thing, yeah. is like because you can, you know, and he used them in like you know a, a lot of two innings or inning and two thirds, and came back the next day and you're like, what is this guy doing? And he's like, ah, just let him pitch, you know. You're the beast, you know. You know your players, and he knows them. Right, right. So, you know, I feel like if you have the opportunity to get your hands on a Hendricks hater, you know. Iglesias, I love, uh, you know, those guys are, are big, you know, you Chapman, I think is going to be interesting um, yeah. because you could definitely, the skills waning a little bit, but not, you know, not, not something to, to be like, Oh, he's going to slip so far um, because he'll, you know, he'll still be on the Yankees. He's still, I think he's still got enough talent to like switch his pitch mix a little bit and become, you know, uh, if you lose in velo to try to alter that, but you know, how far does he fall, you know, and does he just now become a bargain or is he a guy like we were wondering, like Kenley Jansen, ah, you know, it's like his skills are deteriorating and next year, 44 saves and a 1.4. And we're like, why do we ever doubt him? Yep. You know, <laughs> you know, it's true. It's true. It's yeah. like it's the, the way I look at it. And again, we have a long ways to discover, to discuss before like a big time draft season. But even with his waning skill sets, he's on the Yankees. They're going to win a boatload of baseball games. Like, why are we going to get too fussy about him like people do with Kenley Jansen, who I crafted in a lot of places because people got fussy. And it's like, grab one of these guys. Even if they they slip a little bit in their production, it's still great production. Instead of waiting on, you know, what committee the Giants throw out there next year, even though Doval looks pretty right. awesome. Oh, but, like, wow. teams like that, as an example, or the, the, the A's or something like, why play that game when I could go at least lock in probably 25 to 30 saves? If not, if they catch, they catch fire 40, like – instead of play the game of a guy that might have the job for a month or two. That's right. the question I always have. Like I, I understand there's draft costs and, you know, I might be passing on this middle infielder or this, that, and the other, but my goodness, like the way you have to go and fight for saves, why are we getting so nitpicky? And it, it's crazy because it is. You're so right. People start to like, look at this, look at that. And we talked about even with Javi Baez, like there's certain hitters that they do it too. And so it's just like, guys, look at the big picture here. Like, what are right. we doing? But uh, right. I guess it's better for us, I guess. Right. And also, too, like, ho like who knows? Maybe the guys who split, like, second rider and Seawalls, right? Uh, I know there's Castillo's in the picture now. The next year, you got Ken Giles. And who knows? What, like, they're gonna, it's going to have a, a super pen, the, uh, the Mariners. But, you know, if you get a split, split guys like that, you know, are your three closers maybe one guy, you know, like a hater with – two guys who split, you know, and you're, you're still getting into that 50 save range right off the bat. It'll be interesting. You know, I think, I think guys like Giovanni Gallegos are going to be super interesting to evaluate and see where they fall. You know, do people yeah. think that Hicks, you know, entered the picture again, uh, you know, well, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Jordan Hicks is on the AFL roster. They want to get some work out of him because he missed mm -hmm. most of the years. The Cardinals are sending into Arizona. So we'll see him in a couple of weeks, but if he throws well just in that alone, can you imagine these like December 
Can you imagine these December and January drafts before we get to like spring training with the guy? I know. I know everything. I know because like in theory, if you looked at it right now and you thought Gallegos was the close, the guy, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably a top hundred pick, right? Easy, you know, easy, like, yeah. yeah so um, he's interesting. Got a guy like Jordan Romano, you know, like, yeah. Great, again, a team that wins, does he stay the guy? I think he's earned the right to be he the guy, be, yeah. you know? And Montoyo kind of, you know, you know, I know he it was like, oh, he likes to rotate guys as well, but those guys, maybe it was because of the lack of, ineff- like, effectiveness from Hand and Dolis, um, you know, and all the guys they brought in had tried to maybe go into that. They all, um, Soria, they all faltered, you know? So, uh, but... There's some interesting closer that, like out there that I think, um, you know, how how much are people in on Jake Jake McGee, right? You know, he's uh, again winning team and they're like even if he's used sparingly, you know, he should be a good good for twenty. You know, yeah, um, very interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, but gonna be fun. I like Michael Fulmer too. Like, yep. he's a guy um, all year been just been really intrigued by and added and dropped a whole bunch of times, but. Um, those times where he came off the IL with an injury and, you know, he went right back to high leverage. So they seem to like him. Um, again, another tandem with Soto, but um, very interesting. I can't wait to – I'm getting all hopped up for drafts yeah. right now. I know. This is fun, and you get to draft on Monday, so you're going to have a lot of fun <laughs> with this. Uh, the last kind of, I guess, strategy question I'm going to ch- chat up with you here. Um, we, we, we we mentioned how, I like you know, power could have been an issue at times. People always point to stolen bases and other things. What offensive stat are you more focused on for the 2022 season after this 2021 season? They like sunk in. Are you are you making a valid point to go get more home runs in your draft? And if so, how do you think that'll affect? Because not all home run hitters steal bases, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I think that. So a couple. I think in one of my mains, I tried the strategy of getting some steals up front but not um, not trying to force a lot of it and then just getting a lot of eight, six, ten, you know, eight guys, you know, who can give me a whole bunch of smattering of steals late. And it kind of didn't work like that um, because, again, I got lost on power. But I feel like uh, it's so um, – I feel like obviously power relates to everything else, but um, I feel like – I think we were talking about pre-pod. I feel like I'm over overweighing bad strikeout rate, you know? And um, I think you just may have to just knock it down on, you know, how you view players um, because they are striking out obviously a lot more, but um, the guys who are striking out a lot <laughs> are really – you know, good players, you know, so I think if you can, if you're not playing with enough, uh, I guess, approach to that risk, maybe you lose out on, you know, powers too, and just Javi Baez, you know, 33 and 18, like, I know you got him in a bunch of spots later on, because people weren't on him, and just getting that combination (laughs) is fascinating, you know, like, just because he strikes out a lot, like Luis Robert, you know, got um, that that big flag on him because oh he's a big swing and miss guy uh, and the contact is weak but I mean does it really matter <laughs> you know yeah. he's actually gotten better and uh, you know he's he, gotten much better yeah since he he's came gotten back. much better and even with you know you could tell like 
he thought maybe running as fast because, you know, he still, he tore his hip, you know, but he's still pounding the ball, you know, or a couple of uh, notches under his max EV, but he, he still rips it. Uh, he still has 450 foot bombs. So I think he's good. <laughs> he's yeah. really fascinating, Bubba. I think he's one of those guys who this year I thought can be drafted in the third round and mm-hmm. be like a first round value. And, I think he might even be undervalued this year again. I think he will be because I think one thing you hit on there is he's not running that much, but I think a full off season of letting that hip really heal, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he's running again. Like part of me hopes he takes it easy in spring. That's what I'm gonna say. Cause I think he can right. I think he can still get you twenty plus bags next year once he feels healthy again. He's still super young. Like I know who knows how bad it is, but I hate to break it to people. The younger you are, usually the better you heal up for the most part. And they got technology right. that'll help him heal up pretty darn good. So right. They rushed him back. He wasn't supposed to play this year, remember? Like, when that injury happened, him and Eloy. And remember, they had a funeral for Eloy, it felt like. And yeah. they, they, were, they were hanging up his jersey and all kinds of stuff. But um, Me and Jenny Butler had Luis Robert in our tag team league oh, that man. right now is a three-way tie for first. 103, 103, 103. Ooh. Fascinating league. Like, six people with, you know, six teams over, like, 98 points. It's, like, wins. There was, like... Uh, it's crazy. Like the 14 team at 74, and like the second place team at like 79. It's so it's so wild. But when Robert got hurt, um, again, like um, just one of the things I learned this year, um, just from paying attention to the main event league I was in and talking to guys like Phil, it, is just that, and reading Jeff, you know, just at bat, it's just you know, you got to let go of guys. You yeah. just have to like if you want to compete, you got to get rid of bias. You got you got to really think about logic and and real injuries and be like you know why Phil drop Phil, you know Jacob Grom because he's like you know he's not coming back and I don't need him. So it's just you you have to get that thing in your head like I'm moving on. And so I was all in that mood and I said Jenny, I think we got to drop this guy. We're gonna have yeah. to use this spot the stream and she's like no you know he what he wasn't I, supposed to play he i think you're right he's good. not coming back and and then we were even though still texting like oh but man like what if he does he could help us you know but like no this is the smart move you know and then you know he i forgot who beat us to getting him back but you know when it kind of looked like he was gonna be back and it's just he's been a beast <laughs> in hindsight yeah we should have kept him but at the time like you said he wasn't supposed to come back yeah, and, what are you gonna do? You know, you think hip, you think torn hip, you think like things like Bo Jackson, and you're, you're yeah, exactly. That's the, get, you're, they they, they well, made it sound very, 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 very bad. Right, right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for dropping him because they basically waved the flag on him, like, hey, yeah, we'll see you in 2022. Right. And uh, little did you know, because well, no one knew. So yep. that's that's the crazy part about it. Um, the list of players. We're going to talk about that next time. I'm going to get you back on the show here pretty soon. Cool. We're going to get we're going to get, we're going to get into the listener questionnaires. We've got some really good ones, so I don't want to like rush through those. I'd rather just talk about these and keep talking strategy here. 100%. Um, it, it's been some good stuff here. So I'm going to get to those, and we'll kick it off with um, Joe McHugh. He asks, <laughs> who is Rob targeting between pick 200 and 300 and some super early DCs? Like, hypothetically, if he were drafting this week and that sort of thing, I'm guessing he's in your league that's coming up. He is. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, you know, it was definitely a little push, uh, you know, and, and, and you know what, I'll say this, I'll say, look at the guys who went two 300 this year and look how many great hitters came from that part of the draft, you know, and it's just 
who is going to be those next guys? Who's going to be like the maybe the next Joey Votto that you can get at 280? You know, oh, yeah, so, um, yeah. is it a Heimer Candelario? Like, is is you know, he's kind of shown a little growth, but yep. is it enough growth to project him to be taking a next step? And yeah, I'm already you know, excited if Candelario's going at two to 300. Oh man, I have way too much Candelario. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, are you it's know, true, are, though. are people going to project Torkelson coming up earlier? True. And where does Candelario play? You know, who true, and true. you know, how much does Maggie? It, it is. There's a lot of there's a lot of questions to guy like him, and I feel like uh, I don't know. Like some guys are just jotted down to like, where do you think they're gonna go? Like Luis Urias, like yeah. he's had a great year, great great growth. Um, you know, power, you know, not too much speed as we thought, but um, again, on a team though, like the Brewers, they just they they just love to like they're almost like the race, you know, just ton of depth, ton of versatility, and guys they they shift around. Um, but I feel like just look at those guys. I feel like this year there was a lot of what a lot of McCutcheon, right? In that yeah. 220 range, and you were like all over him when you saw him at 220. It was like, Yep, I'll take him. <laughs> I'll yep. take him. Easy, you know? easy game. Yeah, yeah, easy game for that. Just yeah. look at you know, like skills and 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 at bats, you know, just ton of what you think is gonna be falling in for at bats. Sure. Like I am just scroll. I I've got the ADP up for the main event in March through April from this past year, just going through two to three hundred. AJ Pollock was in there. Look what he's done. Like it's tough though, because he doesn't play every day, so that's frustrating. But he's in there. Austin Riley was going at 226. Like that ain't happening again. Jake Cronenworth <laughs> is in this range. Um I have just, so much of Riley too. Like because uh, Riley's of that. like that was a steal. Austin Hayes picked 240. Nate Ivaldi, 242. Uh Jorge Polanco, 245. So I'm not gonna keep going down this list, but basically what Rob is saying. <laughs> This is where this is again going back to some of the talks earlier in the show. Is this is why you can kind of take those pitchers away? This is why you were able to take two starters, two closers, and two catchers, and then get guys like this later on and still yeah. put a, a good team together <laughs> because there is talent everywhere, and it, it needs to kind of I think be emphasized when people are always like, "Oh, you can't do this, you can't do this." Well, you can do anything if you know the player pool yes. and you're willing to and you're willing to maybe reach because now you, you're kind of maybe desperate, not the right word, but you do need to eventually hit this spot. And if you miss it, then you might be in trouble, right. but, but not taking it early doesn't make you in trouble. That's right. the kind of thing. So like literally just scrolling back through the first 50, I didn't even go even deeper. Like imagine getting Jorge Polanco at pick 240. And, just and, imagine that. Right. Right. And uh, <laughs> he, he's another guy like him. And he'll, still, he'll still be there probably. Cause I don't think people believe in it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, oh, if he's still there, then people are lost, but it's such a deep position. Still. <laughs> such a yeah. deep position. Like yeah. you can only take so many shortstops, right? Right. Right. And, and, and he was a guy like that I identified. All right. Like I'm not getting Bo early or Tatis early. Um, and I don't want to reach after that. So I'll go for a uh, Simeon. He was on all my team this year. And, and, and it was a lot of Jorge uh, too. Cause he was, like you said, he said, "All right, well, what if his what if it's just his ankle? You know, his ankle's bad. He could return to two years ago, which was solid, and then he gave you even more. Where he's like, whoa, you know, he, he fascinating. But yeah, just so many guys in that range where you just, you know, I feel like that's the boring but beautiful lane. You know, yeah, um, Robbie Ray picked two sixty. Yeah, you know, like when everyone was chasing." A Kalenic, you know, and Adele, and you know, you just go. I'll take the guy with 550 at bats. You know, I'll take the guy with the proven track record. It's just the better percentage play, you know. Yep. I feel that's, like. and that's how I've always been. It's like, okay, yeah, would it be fun to have a Kalenic be on your team if he goes nuts? Yeah, it would be. 
But A, when's he going to play? C, B, when's he actually going to go nuts? Because it's going to probably not be right away. So that's right. going to sting. It's like, it's one of those, it's prove it to me. Like Wander Franco, he'll be a fun discussion point this year. He's proven it to me enough where it's like, okay, he might be worth a, a pick. Now, as high as he's going to go, probably not for me. But I get it there because at least we know what he's going to do. And, I, and he's still young. And I, I think he is that guy. But right, because you yeah. you you watch it and you see it. You know he passes the eye test instantly. Like a Kalnick, he still looks a little, you know, off, a rough around you know? the edges. Right, right. But so like he was another guy. Like during the draft, he did it. I got on Zach Wackman because he loved to pick, and we got into it. We made a friendly bet on Justin Turner or him who would have a better year. You know, and I still ask him about that. But you know, it's just little things like that where you just you can take a boring guy who's you know who you know what to do, but a guy who I thought like if he hit his upside would be you know like in that range. If Kalnick even was a little better, was Tyler O'Neill, you know, and because oh, you yeah. saw you know you saw speed, you saw power, and you know that's when you you know um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of my draft champion team too like get those at bats, get the surefire guys. And then when there's this guy that's peeking out that says his skills scream out, even his teammate, Harrison Bader, you know, like later on in the draft, take a chance on guys like that where they can go 2020 and just give you, you know, a ton of value, you know? So yeah, Joe, Joe McHugh, that's uh look in that range and you'll find plenty of good nuggets. Let's see who gets the best, the best ones of them all. That'll be fun. Uh, Ryan Ireland asks the way too early, what positions do you potentially see depth at for 2022 that you could see yourself fading early in drafts? So is it shortstop again? Is it uh, is there a certain position that stands out to you as a, as a deep position at this point in time? Um, not too deep into that yet, but yeah, we just mentioned you know yeah. uh, that shortstop list, you know, um, and even if you bring up the auction calculator on Fangraphs. Right for um, shortstops in a 15-team league, right? You can see Bichette, Turner, Tatis, Simeon, Polanco, Baez, Brandon Crawford, Tim Anderson, Bogart, and Story. So see, 8, 9, 10, Anderson, Bogart, Story, guys who are going way ahead of, you know, Brandon Crawford and Javier Baez. And and then you go even deeper, 11, 12, and 13 is Horea, Chris Taylor, Swanson, Jay Cronenworth, Willie Adamas, Jazz Like, yeah, that's deep, you know, if I... Yeah. You know, Ahmed Azario, you know, is, is you know, he might be another great player to He's get like two hundred, you know. Definitely. Him, Nicky Lopez. Right, like that. right. You know, these guys are gonna get at bat and they've proven, you know, they've taken a good skill leap. Um, I could definitely see shortstop being a hundred percent a spot where you can, you know, fall back on. I think, you know, second base is pretty interesting because um, you know, you got guys like Max Munchie, you know, like if you play him there, or you know, Jonathan India is is I think is gonna be really coveted going forward. But um it's also a kind of top heavy, you know, there. So yeah, I think shortstop is a spot. Third base is is really odd. It's it's always an odd spot. I felt like I found myself playing guys there that weren't typically in my head like third base profiles, like Gene. Agora, kind of yeah. Alefa, you know, guys were like Luis Urias, um, you know, just guys where you're like, oh, well, this guy's giving me speed and power, but it's not your typical third base slugger, you know, if you didn't get guys like Devers or Machado or Austin Riley, you know, um, yeah. you were probably playing guys who can do multiple things at that yeah. spot. 
And then yeah. outfield, you know, Bubba, like outfield is the spot where I feel like that's where you get your edge on like early draft champion teams, you know, really just get into the playing time and get into the depth charts of teams and really just try to take your best guess who's going to get more, more. Yeah, that outfield is. It's such a great point with the outfield. Because like I said, this year was the first year I did a, a kind of a, a good amount of more the DCs and FBC 50s. Usually it was mainly best balls where it's, you know, it is what it is at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the outfield position, it's five positions each week. Like, it, it, it doesn't sink in at first. You're thinking, oh, the outfield's so deep. It's so deep. I'm going to go to this. It's five positions. And when you start getting injuries, it gets harder and harder to fill five positions. Right. So... It's such a great point you make to uh, make sure you have, you know, you were saying 10, 11. Like, it's no joke. Uh, it's definitely one like that just outside of, like, starting pitchers. You want a deep starting pitcher realm because you got to have those innings. Well, you need those at-bats in the outfield. It's a phenomenal point. And to, and to write play. down, like, hard, hard targets, you know. I felt yeah. like that was my best, like, best thing I did is I had a little, like, piece of paper and it was, like, first base, second base, and I kept a little tally. And you know, I had firm, firm numbers that I wanted to get to. Eleven outfielders, you know, like through through multi eligibility or not, you know, like if he, or if he's just a strict outfielder, if they qualify outfielder, you know, I want this amount. And like, if you have a good, good discipline like that, where you can, you know, make sure you cover your bases, make sure you get four or five multi eligibility guys, you know. Um, and I feel like, and on my best draft champions, um, my outfield is like. Every week, it's it's just like, what do I do? Like, it, I would spend time on it. Like, Great problem to have. That, no, I, exactly. But it was a problem <laughs> where I was like benching. You know, I have uh, so here I have I have Austin Hayes, Brian Reynolds, Rosarena Grossman, Tyler O'Neill, Avi Sale, Gritchick, Gritchick, <laughs> oh, Brantley, man. even Taylor Ward at one point yeah. where he was on a roll, and um, you know, I had guys like Robles too. But it just it was weeks where I'm like, well, who do I start? Gritchick made it easier when he started losing playing time, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, all right, well that became easier. But yeah, but you know how many people didn't have the depth you have that still had to play Gritchick? Right. That's right. the problem right there. Like that right. in a nutshell, those extra, like say just three games a week, you had a guy getting four at bats a day. Big. Right. Huge. Huge. So yeah, I feel this huge, you know, like even if you don't attack it early, just just keep drafting it, you know, like keep drafting guys who you can put in the outfield. It's, it's so, you know, such a it's such a spot where you need to just hog it, you know, hog it all day. Yeah, one thing with the you mentioned third base, that's always one that gets me where I kind of feel like I need like if I can get a J Ram, I'm so happy. It's just like okay, boom, we're done, perfect, everything we need right there. Right. Like there's a few other guys for sure. Riley's in the mix now and stuff, but first base for a while was kind of that way as well. Just looking at the Rasball Play Writer, it has gotten much deeper. So that's right. uh, that's that helps too. Still, that shortstop still where it's at, I think. But I think third base and maybe second base is where things are going to be interesting when it comes to uh, to draft season for sure. But get your outfielders. That is the most important thing you can take away from this. At third uh, base, Bubba, where do you think Devers goes next year? You think he comes back into the second round? I think you he's think a second, second I, round I, guy. I think yeah, he's a second round guy. Yeah, I think people saw like he's still so young. He steals a little bit. I don't think people realize that. And he steals. I I think he, in the past, he's stolen more than he even did this year. That could come back still. Like we used to say that about Machado. He doesn't steal anymore. Well, now he's stealing again, people. Like things happen year to year. You don't know what injuries guys got. And like just let him him be. He's still so young. If Devers can sneak in 10 plus steals to go with everything else he does, he's worth every penny. Every penny. Like, yeah. 
he's okay. This is going to really hurt to say, and people are going to hate me for this, but I'm a humongous Juan Soto fan for anybody that's paid attention to the show. Like, I will, <laughs> I still go to bat. Yeah. If you want to take him 1 1, I don't argue with you. Rafael Devers, if he can steal 10 bases, is Juan Soto light. I'm just going to say that. Pretty much. I, I, Maybe not the walks, to... but the average in every other category. And you get him in the second or third round. Let's go. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And and I'm gonna miss get, like thinking about him in the 40s and you know in that range because there was a couple spots happening. where I got him this year and I was like, yes, this is great. But yeah, yeah, Devers is 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 a monster for sure. All right, Ryan Roof from Rotowire, awesome dude, awesome dude, been on the show with yes. you a few times, been on the show with me as well. Looking forward to the next time he joins the pod. But uh, he says I need Rob to pull a random pod deck and answer the question. Oh, Initial man. thoughts on Marcus Simeon's likely landing spot next year in 2022 Mains. This is a great question because <laughs> you said it earlier, and we've seen it many times. The main event ADP is not like many other leagues you'll be in. So. Right. Someone's going to believe in what Simeon did and is going to reach for him. Where do you think his ADP lands? Second round. I think you're right, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> I think the other question is, where does he land? I think That's he goes right be, back. He should. Toronto should I give him he whatever right he back. wants. Especially like, especially with losing, like, right? Yeah, and especially with losing, like, Austin Martin, I feel like, you know, that was probably maybe their option to, you know, bring up. True. And, point. and you look at Biggio and, like, I don't know. Is he garbage? Like Espanol's playing over him, you know. And I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think I think he's. I think he goes back I think there. Back be, in the second round. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, um, you take him ahead of you take him ahead of Tim Anderson, right? I mean. Yeah, I think you have to, but that's tough because Tim Anderson. Oh, I hope he falls. I'd love to grab Tim Anderson in round three or four. <laughs> right, <laughs> great. <laughs> I, that's see, that's another one of those guys that falls too much because of his bag average, Rob. Right, people see that like, oh, I can't take him that early. Yeah, you can. He's going to score a hundred runs. He's going to drive in probably seventy or eighty. He's going to hit twenty, twenty-five homers and steal you twenty plus back. Like, right. come on, people, <laughs> get over it. And, and and you know what, too, when you know you read about. You know, he changed his approach. You know, not changed it so much, but he said since 2017, he's just been trying to get the ball in the air more and more. And Simeon, you know, you when when someone says it and you see it in the numbers, like the fly ball percentage goes up from 39 to 46 to 49, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the launch angle goes from 15 to 19 to 20 and a half. Um, you know, you see it, you know, you see the max EV go up from 107.2 to 108 to 109.5. Like he's making an effort to slam a ball in the air and hit homers. <laughs> he's yep. doing real good at it. You know, he's pulling the ball like 50%, 50% of the time. Like yeah. maybe that comes down a little bit, but you know, he's doing the things that you check off boxes and say, yeah, this, this is what a good power hitter does. And to add in steals and, you know, 112 runs, ugh, yeah, he's, he's a, a stud. Yeah, he's I you know, yeah. I mean, I think I think he lands there because um especially if he come back to the Blue Jays, you know. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a good it's it's a good comp with where Tim Anderson will be. They, they should be pretty close to each other in the grand scheme of things. Um so I, I think that's a very, very intriguing call there. Um just for fun. Do you think do you think Simeon goes before Manny Machado? Oh, <sighs> I don't think so. Okay. What about before Trevor's story, who might not be in Colorado? Oh, man. He's a guy that might fall. 
I think, see, so I feel like a lot of people will still look at, so the, the projection for him, unless you like change it, right, will still be such a good projection. Good. So if you're a projection guy and yeah. you're looking at it, you're like, oh, Story's still the guy. He's still the preferred guy probably. But True. yeah, I mean, man, but you also like, you know, how he mailed it in, you know, like. It's, yeah, it felt like yeah. he did. Yes, definitely hey, did. <laughs> you know, and. I don't know. It, it's just you just gotta wonder about guys who just mail it in. You know, I, I get it. They didn't. They didn't do they it. They mailed right. it in on him. They mailed like, it in. Him, I'm not gonna but, get hurt. I'm gonna go get paid. Yeah, but, right, right. And so, yeah, do you fault the guy for that? But you also like, you know, he still yeah. have a job to do, and you know, he's obligated to. I agree. Uh, so, so, so close. But I would say, um, pick a landing spot for story. Like, um, what do we say? Like, other. Other other giant a team that will go after them and put Crawford at second or like or is that not an option for them? Like I don't know. Like it could be they were interested in trading for him. Right. I think I think if the Cubs are saying they want to spend money, he'd be an interesting one. Cubs, right? Yeah. If they actually spend, I don't believe it until I see it with them and from everything they've done. But they said and they have it. They'll have tons of money. That they said they're going to spend, and he'd be a good one to uh, to put in the shortstop position. Man, what about the uh, what about the Yankees? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the Yankees. <laughs> but but let me ask you something, Mike. Don't you think the Yankees should just probably clear like wait for Otani and just make a run at him, or like a guy? It's I don't the, know. The Yankees, why don't they do both? <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. Those those things are done with them. Like, yeah, they, they are. They are. Yeah, Otani, you think, has to go there. It just makes too much sense. Right? I think it does, too. Um, but, you know, and there's just a ton of free, good free agent shortstops, right? So you got uh, Baez, yeah, Carlos Correa, I think. Correa, Corey Seager. Yep. Um, so, yeah. right? So that's – what do the Dodgers do? Like, do they shift Turner to, you know, shortstop and, you know, play Lux there and, you know, maybe not make a run at Seager or do they bring him back? You know, it's just a, that's four good shortstops. Right it's going to be real interesting to see. That's why I think yeah. I, that's why the Giants just said, screw it. We're going to extend Crawford for two years for cheaper than any of these other guys. And by then we'll have our stud prospect shortstops up and we'll call it a day. Right. <laughs> that's what we're doing. I like, I like the Correa to AJ Hinch reconnection. Yeah. That makes I'm sense. really – and I like the Tiger team, man. They play They're hard. They're building something real nice there. I love it. I love it. And and mm-hmm. it, it's one of those teams you ever mentioned, like Fulmer and, and Soto's. Just, you know, I don't know if you caught yourself just watching specific teams so much yep. because of these random roles. Like, uh, yeah. you know, Floro's in the save, and I'm putting on the, you know, the, end of the Marlin game. Like, what's wrong with me? And like, That's you learn so much man. about these random teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I learned so much about the Tigers, but watching them, I was like, you know, and they bring in these guys like, you know, Derek Hill and Willie Castro, and they're all like good contributors. And I feel, yeah. you know, with Torkelson and Green and coming up and, yeah, I they like it. A bunch there, of pit- so- they got a bunch of pitchers coming up to join Mize and Scooble. Like right. these guys, they're gonna they're probably like two years away from making some fun happen, maybe three years away from actually contending. But by then Miggy will be off the books, they'll have some Grossman will be off the books. Uh, they'll have so much money to spend. Right. It's, gonna be, it's gonna be dumb. Like they could so that's why they can go and get a career right now and put him in for like seven years if they want. So then his right. last like three or four years will be prime. Let's go, let's go win some stuff. Right. Like, and yeah. and you know. And you look at a guy like Grossman, like I think a lot of people question that signing, but you, you see like when you 
like what like a good eight million dollar solid all around player can do for the team. Like he added good value to the team. He added a bunch of wins, but mm-hmm. he also just like is a steady presence where you can have these other guys around him just getting a feel for the majors and Badu, you know, like yeah. you know, uh, getting better. Um, well, he's he's the perfect like, hey, we're rebuilding, but we want to teach our kids while we rebuild. Right, like, that's basically what you're saying. Like I used to laugh like back in the day, like, Omar Vizquel's of the world. Like yeah, they're washed up, but we're gonna keep paying him eight million a year because he's gonna teach these young kids how to play baseball. Especially right. like, and I know it's a different with Vizquel, but especially a lot of the teams that have like heavy Latin influence, you you see stuff like that. But uh, Grossman's a great example of he's seen it all, he's done it all, he still has game to play, so he's not just like yep. throwing in the towel. Yep. It's, it, it makes it gets frustrating when certain teams, like say the Marlins or whatever, just don't do stuff like that. Yeah, and, right. You know, right I'm with you. Um, Ryan Ireland has another question for you. Um, he says also is Rob's boy McKinstry, the new Chris Taylor next year, or is it Lux or is it Chris Taylor again? Who's a free agent. Who do you think that role is for the Dodgers next year? Very interesting. Chris Taylor is just one of those guys. Like, you know, he's, he, he's pretty fascinating. He's, he's got great skills. Um, can play everywhere. He's one of those guys that, teams are coveting, you know, power, speed, um, second, short, outfield, wherever he needs to play, you know. Um, it'd be interesting to see where he goes, you know. I, I don't know where there's a hard landing spot for him. McKinstry kind of showed a little bit this year, but Lux, he's been on a roll in the last three weeks. A lot of it doesn't look so great, like in terms of yeah. exit velocity and hard hit. It, it, it doesn't look – like he should be, you know. I think Babbitt is. His, yeah, he's not. I know his Babbitt is through the roof. Um, but I guess maybe you know who knows. Maybe just getting consistent time and getting hits, even if they're not barrels, can bring him confidence, and he becomes that guy. But you know, or like we said, maybe he becomes the full time second baseman if they don't sign Seager. You know, who knows? That that's that's where it all starts. Is do they bring Seager back or not? Right. And then you can start building the rest of the puzzle. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, McKinstry might get another shot. I think they like his skill set and I think they like his bat, but um, I think he, he he had a lot of injury this year. So I think next year he might get another shot. For sure. Uh, Yancey Eaton says, I'd like to take the opportunity to congratulate mm-hmm. Rob on an absolutely incredible year in fantasy that includes a bludgeoning victory that was never even remotely close in our TGFBI league. Quote unquote, he kisses the ring. Is there anything he plans on doing differently in fantasy next year? Different in fantasies. So I think I am going to well, format wise, I'm get I tried cut line. I'm I'm getting rid of that. I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I do I, I only do the Raz slam and that's about all I'll do. Like I uh Curtis Jones is awesome at it. He's uh, he's he's sick. Yeah, I, I don't sick. I don't I can't I don't I don't have whatever mindset to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, and and I just I actually don't think I don't know. It's just odd. It's like it's not a draft champion, and it's not weekly fab, and it's twice a, twice a year fab, and then there's the playoff system, and I don't know when to check it. I don't know. It's just yeah. anyway. I get rid of that. Um, but I think what I'm going to do different next year is you know in this off season, you know, I learned like SGP. Um, you know, I learned what that was about and how it evaluates players. Um, definitely helped me a ton. Um, definitely make me understood a lot more about rotisserie. Um, this year, I'm going to think, you know, I'm going to try, um, I want something else. You know, maybe I'll learn how to um, 
do um like standard deviation scores or stuff like that i don't know i i think i'll just want to learn something else you know i want to learn another valuation system and just really just try to understand every single way like you know uh, guys may um evaluate players you know um just want to get better you know i all you can do yeah yeah you just you know um but i think my first thing is just do a hard recap of my year um look at free agent drops you know where did i mess up you know what were my best ads and um just try to really understand what you're doing right because like you mentioned we're we're playing so much you know we're trying to do the content game and you know you don't get caught up in that and maybe you don't realize what actually you did well because we could say you know oh yeah i got this guy in the 23rd i got this guy in the 28th but maybe this pickup in the in week eight you really didn't realize what he added for your team you know so just i want to do that i want to go back in uh, once the season's done um and just you know try to pick up on things i'm doing well and things i'm doing bad no, that's that's a great starting point for sure is not enough people do that and assess from draft season on like what went right what went wrong and why like why did i finish fifth instead of first or why like what was the difference in closing the gap stuff like that makes i've already started thinking of certain things in my head that i really want to go look at because a couple leagues just kind of went south the last like three weeks that uh, right like I, they're not south like i'm in fourth and fifth but i was almost in first type thing like what did i do stupidly to make that happen or is it just dumb luck and some of it is dumb luck but most right. of it there is something you could have done for sure right um the last question we have here is from michael Simeone, the mr sp streamer what is one thing you would stress to all fantasy players when it comes to in-season management oh in-season management i would stress don't get overspend it. in fab no, yeah yeah no, seriously that's you know we just mentioned that before that's definitely huge you know stay stay in reason and and understand just see it's simple things right just look at what your league trend is for spending (laughs) you know just if people like um like the house market right like if Mm -hmm. like the market is the market like if you live on a block where every house is three hundred and eighty thousand, right you're not gonna get 450 for yours it's just you know like it's just (laughs) that's just the way it is so just take a look around and see what your what your league is but um Roster resource on Fangraphs, the lineup tracker. I live with that thing. Um, I really do. Um, I like how you can scroll through every day, and right on top too is just versus lefty versus righties, um, and it's it's color coordinated, so it stands out. And what I really love about it is that it shows when guys go to the AL, uh, the IL, and come back. It shows when guys go to the minors and come back. It, it shows when guys were on the team and went to another team. So you can instantly see, oh, you know, Luis, Luis Araya is, uh, oh, his, his PT, his PT was nice. Oh, why did he just have four games off then? Okay, okay, four games versus the lefty, or this guy, came, Rob Ref Snyder, came off the IL. You see this snapshot, right, just, and I just hound it. Like, all my lineup positions, just pretty much, this is the first stop, you know. Um, like we mentioned, you know, we got to set the lineups and DCs, you know, you're just like, all right, you go through all this, you see the playing time, and then it leads into fab. Like, you just kind of understand right off the bat, like, you, without even thinking about it, you know, uh, like, uh, Mike, Mike Moustakis is playing versus, versus all the righties, and, uh, it, you know, and 
And so I was playing against all the lefties. Just knowing those simple things can just gain you a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. And um, I feel like uh, Razball, I used Razball this year. It was my first year using them um, in in conjunction with Bait Boys Q. Um, just pull, just pull their data and just, you know, try to determine the playing time trend. And also like, I think what Razball and Rudy does really well with, uh, like just having a snapshot of what players might do Monday to Thursday, but don't just look at the numbers and like, and say, Oh, this guy is the sixth rated guy. I'm going to play him. Like, kind of understand why these rankings might be spitting out, right? And I think that's the best thing, like, I've always learned from Baseball HQ. Once I start, like, that's where I really became good at fantasy is because they teach you how to fish, you know? They don't they don't just say, this is it and this is why. They'll say, this is how you get to a determination on a player. And when you see a projection for Friday to Sunday and you're like, oh, well, why is Luis Garcia, like, so high this week? Um just take your time to understand why, you know, is it because the opposition of the pitching, you know, is it because he's facing three righties? Um, just really, you know, digest what things mean. If you don't understand what one, what way to run creative puck is, look at the glossary, you know, take the time. Um, I think like Jeff Erickson and Scott Einstein, they always say like, uh, it doesn't hurt to, to look, right? It just takes three seconds to look at something, you know, you may be like looking at all these things and it's like, Instead of wondering, oh, I wonder if he's playing versus lefties, just go check it. You know, <laughs> there's so many resources out there. Like it, it's definitely doable. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, get a good, just get a good routine and, and and stick to it. You know, like um, like you do with your podcasting. It's just you have a schedule and your your money with it, and that's it. You know, it's like if you have like habits, good habits, and and fantasy baseball. You know, just. You know, don't don't walk to the fab line at 20 minutes before the lock and, yeah. and, and just, you know, pick a bunch of guys. I think that's what I love about Vlad's articles is he'll write in it like um, hopefully everyone's just looking at the charts and not reading my words because that's yeah. when he puts in like these random nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like he'll have like a first baseman lifted. He goes, I really want to have him higher, but I want to see if anyone's reading, you know, yeah. the words I'm writing. <laughs> Look at the chart. And it, it's, so... it's true because mm-hmm. – um, so just take that extra step. Take that extra step to understand, you know, why, the whys of things, you know. Yeah. So that would be my biggest uh, – don't just look for the answer. Don't just, you know, DM Bubba and, and say, <laughs> who should I start? Like, no, I'm serious. Like, you know, yeah. like we said earlier, like really understand, you know, why maybe – some people may be giving this advice, you know, so dig into it. Yeah, no, we're here to help, but I, I prefer if you learned things. So I get there's a lot to it, like Rob's saying. Um, it's funny Vlad does that because I kind of I don't do it as goofy as he does, but when I do either my DFS articles or my waiver wire articles for Roto Baller, I, I everyone I know just opens it and clicks. Like, hey, he says this guy, this guy, this guy. <laughs> if they actually read the the things, like especially like DFS, like I tell you how to build part of your lineup if you like with this player in conjunction to it, but they don't ever look at that and i I know it for a fact because i see what happens like what like you read the freaking thing it's right there but uh it's funny because vlad's 100 right they just look for the chart we're in we're out call it a day so and you know what i um i'm trying to read a lot more like i've been been spending a lot less time on twitter and and just trying to read books um find more peace in my life than the mess that is twitter and um 
So uh, I've been reading about like everything, a range of things, sports, a philosophy, but I was reading, uh, there was a section about, it's called like the race to conclusion and how like, especially now in this time, like everyone wants to be the first one to tweet something, the first one to say something, this, the first one to have any anything on anything. And it's like, it's, and using Google to get quick answers, you know, like um, it's just, it's prevalent and it carries into fantasy. You know, like mm-hmm. these are all the things we're saying, like the race to find your best lineup or your, the best ad, like, understand what gets you there you know don't just look for that final answer like you know do the work and and you'll get better for sure 100 percent. well rob i always enjoy talking to you my friend it's always a good time uh baseball's fun but just talking to you is good as well so um we'll do this again soon like i said i'll, I'll hit you up after this we'll we'll schedule this again talk some players and, and some more stuff but a lot of great uh, just kind of looking back a lot of uh, philosophy on playing the game of fantasy mm-hmm. baseball that I think we can take from this season and going into the next season that people should uh, use before you even start looking at evaluating players, stuff like that right. along the way. So uh, I truly appreciate this uh, this conversation as always. And if you have any parting words or where they can find you and all your great work with the, the Pool Hitter podcast and everything, plug it away. Yeah, thanks, Bubba. As, as always, it's great coming on. Um, I love when you reach out. Um, it's, it's always a great time talking to you. But, yeah, you can find me at Dead Pool Hitter on Twitter. I have the Pool Hitter podcast. I'm going to be um, getting right back into it Um, once the season's over, getting into some league recaps with some of my league mates. So in my main event one, I'll have on like Frank Stample um, and we'll talk about some things that, you know, happened in our league. And, you know, like I said, like the best ads and the worst drops and just trying to like highlight, you know, like we're saying, a philosophy side. Like, what what are we doing wrong? Not even players, um, and how we're drafting, and that, yeah, and just uh, have on some guys who you know won a lot of league this year, and just try to get inside their brain, you know. And uh, I felt like it was it was good. I learned a lot just bringing on anyone who just you know played in several leagues and uh, like saying getting Curtis Jones on, like teaching me how to play cut line, and it, it, it's cool. You get to learn all these different things, so. Hopefully we get right back into it once the season's done and so everyone can get nice and prepared early this year. And, um, you know, we'll lead them down the road to success again, Bubba. That's the plan. That is the plan. But uh, until next time, everybody, make sure you check out Rob on Twitter at Deadpool Hitter and uh, check out his podcast, The Pool Hitter Podcast. Always great stuff there. Look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks in Arizona, my friend. It's going to be a great time at First Pitch Arizona. But until next time, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 404 with Rob DiPietro. Catch you guys later. better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards, 
That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.